Calling all detectives. A man confesses to a series of murders, none of which have taken place. That is the situation on this page from my casebook, the casebook of Jerry Browning, private detective. About once a year, somebody asks me, Jerry Browning, private detective, whether there's any such thing as a criminal type. The answer is no, there isn't. But... I was in the office of Lieutenant Dawson of the Homicide Squad. I was watching the police teletypewriter giving a practically blow-by-blow account of how a bank robber was being captured in a small upstate railroad depot. I glanced up momentarily from the machine as an unassuming little man entered and sidled over to where Dawson was working at his desk. Excuse me, Lieutenant, but I'm afraid I've done it again. Dawson looked up, sighed. Who to kill this time, Mr. Pruitt? Alexander McIntyre. He is president of the Inland Plastics Corporation. Dawson nodded. Pruitt, I told you the last time that... Oh, well, I'll check it again. He picked up the phone, gave the operator some low-voiced instructions. After a little delay, he talked to somebody on the other end. And finally... Pruitt, I just talked to Mr. McIntyre. He hasn't been shot and he never heard of you. Mr. Pruitt, this is your third confession to a murder that didn't take place. The next time you come in here, I'll have you committed to a mental institution. Now get out. The last sentence on the teletypewriter report was the terse news that Red Stafford had surrendered, which meant that my worries about that case were over. I grabbed my hat, followed Pruitt outside. I caught up with him as he was leaving the building. Hey, Mr. Pruitt, wait a second. The little man turned. Do I know you, sir? Not yet you don't, but I think you will. You see, I believe you. I think you are a murderer. A man confessed to three murders that never took place. But I told him I thought he was a killer. Well, the fact is, I mean, it was a mistake. The police... I closed my hand over Pruitt's arm. What's the matter, Mr. Pruitt? A couple of minutes ago, you were anxious to be locked up. You take your hands off me. I didn't kill anybody. I have delusions, but they pass away. I haven't done anything. Please, let me go. Out of a corner of my eye, I saw Dawson approaching us. I let go of Pruitt, who darted away. But not before I'd called after him. Don't forget, Pruitt, I believe you. Dawson came over to me. Jerry, what were you doing to that poor little guy? Don't you recognize a delusions case when you see it? Sure I do, Dawson. And I know you checked each of his delusions just to be safe. All I was doing was making sure that if he had any ideas about really killing somebody, now he won't. went on back to my office, filled out a report for the banking association on the capture of Red Stafford. But all the time I was thinking of Pruitt. Sure, there are people with delusions, but I have also heard of other people who used precisely that stunt as a build-up for very genuine crimes. Finally, I called up Dawson and asked him to give me a line on Pruitt. I learned that he was a night elevator operator and watchman for 544 Market Street, a big downtown office building. I went there the next morning. Had a talk with the starter. Pruitt, he's a nice guy. A little queer in the head like a lot of guys who have lonely night jobs, but he's okay. On the directory board in the lobby, there were a dozen columns of tenants' names. Neither Inland Plastics Corporation nor Alexander McIntyre, Pruitt's most recent mythical victim, were listed as tenants of the building. 
Well, that was interesting. That's an indication that Pruitt was picking his imaginary corpses safely remote from where he worked. I called Dawson again, got the names of the victims in Pruitt's two previous confessions, an investments counselor and a steamship line official. Neither of them had their offices at 544 Market Street either. Since I didn't have another case, I checked on Pruitt thoroughly, even followed him for a couple of days. He lived alone in a nice three-room apartment, had no strange friends. Later in the week, I got another case and gave up on Pruitt. A few weeks passed, and then one afternoon I ran into Dawson on the street. Say, Jerry, thought you might like to know, your friend Pruitt tried another phony confession yesterday. Claimed he'd stabbed John Markstone, the wholesale grocer. This time I did have him sent for mental examination. Did a report come through? Sure. They let him go. Said he's harmless. Now, I suppose I'll have to listen to his confessions as long as I'm on the force. I thought about that. Yeah. And just so his victims stay alive and healthy, there isn't much you can do to the guy. Now he's in a nice spot. What are you talking about, Jerry? Dawson, I've got a hunch. And I'm going to see Mr. McIntyre at Inland Plastics. Well, that's Pruitt's third confession, Jerry, not his latest one. I know. That's why I'm going to McIntyre. Mr. McIntyre, I know you weren't acquainted with Pruitt at the time he claimed to have killed you, but have you met him since then? There was a short pause. Well, yes, I have, Mr. Browning. He came up to see me to apologize. Uh Uh-huh. And what did you do about it? McIntyre looked uncomfortable. Well, when a man has delusions, if uh, you can remove the cause of his delusion, then uh, you're certain it'll never take, well, a violent turn. In other words, he extorted from you. Maybe he said it was for treatment, but actually as insurance so that he wouldn't really kill you at some future date. Isn't that it? I'm afraid it is. We rigged up a trap at the office of the fourth victim, the wholesale grocer. And when Pruitt told him, I'm so sorry the police phoned and troubled you, sir. I suffer from these delusions. I feel I must kill. I feel I have killed you. Of course, you're alive. The police say I'm harmless. I know I'm not. If I could pay for treatment, rid myself of this obsession against your life, a couple of thousand dollars would be enough. It's more than enough, Pruitt. You're under arrest for extortion and intimidation. Yeah, it was a cute stunt indeed. A brand new extortion wrinkle. Pruitt wanted his victims phoned by the police and thoroughly frightened before he came calling with his apology and veiled threat. It worked three times so well that a jury paid tribute to Pruitt's cleverness by putting him out of circulation for eight years. Like I said, there is no such thing as a criminal type. But most people who claim to be criminals have some larceny in them, someplace. Listen next time to Calling All Detectives, mystery drama, mystery quiz... And a chance for you to match wits with yours truly, Jerry Browning, Private Detective.